from VinePair's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a VinePair Next Round conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regularly scheduled podcasts on Monday in order to give you a better idea of what's happening in the world of beverage. Today, I'm really excited because not only am I joined by my good friend, VinePair Tastings Director Keith Beavers. What's up, Keith? What's going on, Adam, on this side? I know, but he and I are joined by one of our favorite winemakers, one of the winemakers that basically made us both fall in love with wine, yes. Randall Graham. Randall, thank you so much for joining us. Piacere. My pleasure. So, Randall, um, I actually first encountered your wine, gosh, like 15 years ago uh, at Keith's Wine Shop in the East Village at ABC Wine Company, Cigar Volant, but you made you made so many other incredible wines under the... Uh, Bonnie Dune label, um, but you know you've you've since you've since left Bonnie Dune, um, and you're starting a, a cool new project called the Language of Yes that I was hoping you could tell Keith and I a little bit more about. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I've not completely left Bonnie Dune. I still have an association with them, and I'm consulting for the blend and consulting on the blending and the, and the winemaking protocols. So I'm not out of the game entirely. But language of yes is definitely taking up a large part of my my life these days. So what is language of yes? Well, it's kind of a, a little bit of an unexpected association between myself and Gallo Wine Company, which is a little bit like, um, forgive me, Bambi meets Godzilla. So it's, it's somewhat unex, unexpected. I mean, that's a, that's a good, yeah, it's a good, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's a great movie. <laughs> it was short. It was, it was a short film. It was very short um, and tragic, but anyways, um, let, this this is gonna this seems to be working out a little bit better than it did for Bambi. Um, so it's it's really kind of leveraging um, what I do well and what they do very well, and uh, creating a I think a very useful synergy. We're kind of pushing the limits. I mean, I've I've been making working with Rhone grapes for quite some time, almost um, forty years. My gosh, and um, I sort of I think think I reached a plateau in what I could do by myself. And um, I'm kind of wanting to push things in a little bit further, make wines that are more soulful and more meaningful and um, kind of unexpected. So um, that's what Language of Yes is about, is working with Rhone grapes, but kind of moving them in some unusual directions, taking doing some unusual things in the vineyard as well as in the cellar. So what are those, when you say doing some unusual things, I mean, you've obviously been known um, for your entire career for sort of pushing boundaries and, and trying different things. What do you mean doing some unusual things? Well, using some kind of very old techniques, things like passeriage, um, which is the um, drying of the grapes for several days prior to um, crushing. That's working out really well. Uh, we're doing that kind of um, on a more extreme level. I don't know if anyone's ever done this with Sanso, but we're, we're doing um, hopefully a two or three week passerillage with Sanso this year. That's great. Wow. As we often, as, as I used to say at Bonnie June Vineyard all the time, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. Drawing out Sanso. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And also, we've been working with some new varieties, um, and have, have had a tremendous reception with the uh, Tiburin uh, Rosé, which we just released last week. Well, yeah, and I heard it sold out in two hours. Is that true? About an hour and a half. That's insane. An hour and a half, Adam. Not two hours. <laughs> 
I know. We, we should have made like six orders of magnitude more. But that's okay. incredible. Well, look, you live and learn. You live and learn. Yeah, exactly. That's really crazy. So uh, you, you mentioned the Tiburon. So I, I was lucky enough to taste it with you recently. Can you explain to some of the listeners who may be unfamiliar what that wine is and what you're doing with those grapes? Yeah, well, Tiburon is one of the genius, unknown, largely unknown grapes. Um, it travels under another name in Italy, in Liguria, by the name of Rossese. And I love both Rossese and Tiburon uh, equally in different ways. Um, but what's interesting about Tiburon is it's a um, Mediterranean grape that is actually capable of elegance and finesse. And that is essentially kind of my conund- has been my conundrum in the wine business for as long as I can remember. In other words, I'm a would-be continental guy kind of stuck in a Mediterranean life. And um, this, is the conundrum, this is the conundrum for California, which is how do you make elegant wines in an area that's warm and dry? And warm and dry wines, warm and dry climates produce wonderful wines, but they're, they're not what you would call delicate and refined and, and um, I mean, they're exuberant and that's, that's nice, but I'm, I'm trying to retain the exuberance, but also um, impart some elegance and Tiburon and Senso are, are two grapes that are actually capable of doing that. So you're growing, how are you, where's the source of these two varieties? Are they in the Santa Cruz mountains? Alas, no. The the Tiburon and Sanso are, are grown in the Paso Robles area, and then the um, Grenache and Syrah are grown in the Santa Maria Valley, which has the and at the Rancho Real Vineyard, which has the advantage of being about the coolest vineyard, climatically speaking, uh, in California. Uh, it's one of the coolest places you can possibly grow grapes, and that's that's exceptional. Just to refresh, you're doing um, a few different kinds of wines. You're doing the Tiburon uh, Rosé, and you, you're doing a white and a red as well. Are they blends as well? Well, we're doing – there is white in the Syrah. There's a – the Syrah is a Syrah Viognier blend, and, and we're doing a Grenache. And then we're doing uh, this year a new new wine, the Sanso, co-fermented with, with Syrah as well. Um, I'm hoping to plant some Roussin at Rancho Real. Uh, I'd like to make a, an extremely important white wine as well, but I, I don't, I, I want it to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. So until we can line it up, line up perfection, uh, we're going to have to just kind of hold on, hold off a little bit. Oh yeah. Roussan has that structure. So good luck. I can't wait. To, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Roussan is, I, I've been lucky to work with Roussan over the years, but it's a, it's a tricky grape and you, you have to find exactly the right site for it. And, and I think one, one of the things that's quite interesting about California, maybe one of the mo- most interesting things about California is our growing season. And we have an, ex- we can grow grapes in very, very cool climates because of the length of our growing season. And that gives us a great opportunity to make really nuanced, fine, articulate wines uh, with, a, with a lot of detail um, in virtue of this, this cool climate. So in terms of the, the overall project, like, is this a project you have thought about in the past, had been, you know, been thinking about, have been wanting to do? I think it's really interesting. I mean, you, you mentioned, obviously, that it's sort of like, you know, Goliath and Bambi, um, but obviously partnering with Goliath has a lot of, uh, you know, benefits, right? They, they obviously can help 
with the marketing, with the distribution, with the, the you know, the procurance of, of fruit. But had you thought about the language of yes prior? How, how did this project come to be in the first place? Well, I got to know the Gallo family through other means. And I think just sort of one thing led to another. And um, it was a fairly long courtship um, as these things go. And I think we just dis- discovered that there was a commonality of interests and we just decided to make something happen. So we did. Very cool. You you talk a lot about elegance and acidity. Oh, you didn't say acidity, but I'm assuming with elegance, we, we talk about acidity and the brightness of a wine. And you also talk about how you're finding these very cool spots, trying to retain acidity, get the sun, retain the acidity, all that stuff. So is this project just focused on a, a certain style of wine you're trying to create in in the United States? Is like you're trying to bring this sort of like, is it about acidity? Is it about elegance? Or is it just about balance? Oh, you know, my gosh, I think it's about all of those things. And I'm a believer in all of those things. And I I don't know that I could reduce the argument to, to just those things. I mean, it's also my aesthetic, my sensibility, uh, wines of restraint. But, you know, the it's great to have elegance and balance, but you need to have the wines need to be exciting. I mean, there needs to be something about the wine that just kind of has a slight wow element to it, um, as well as elegance. So, I mean, it can't just be a tepid, um, pale, etiolated uh, version of a, of, a, of a proper wine. It's got to be, there's got to be some, it's got to tell a story as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That I mean, that also just, you know, speaks so so much to what these wines are. You know, is there a specific story you are trying to tell with these wines? So obviously, you know, you're you're using grapes that a lot of American consumers may not be familiar with, even to, to be fair, even Grenache, right? Syrah, I think a lot of Americans have gotten familiar with, but but Grenache, not as much. You know, what what sort of experience you want the consumer to have with these wines when they first uh, encounter them and sort of with the methods that you're using in terms of the techniques of drying the grapes, et cetera, before you crush them on, on some of these wines, what are you, what experiences are you, do you want them to have? Well, you know, I, I think it's the experience of familiarity in the sense of, even if they've never tasted the wine, there's kind of a recognition that there's something about this wine that has a truth truthfulness to it or or a um frankness to it i mean one of the one of the conceits that i have about the wines i've made over the years is that there's sort of a bridge between old world and new world i think it's really important that we not try to copy the old world and but at the same time there is a sense there's a certain sensibility that the old world has that i think it's really instructive and i think it has to do with just a profound respect for the land from which the from where the grapes derive and i think if if you can bring some of that sensibility into the new world i think you you can really improve the the quality of the wines and make the wines just a lot more soulful as i said for if not if nothing else i mean one of the things that's important to me is that we we not pander to kind of the lowest common denominator that, that we try to elevate our customers. They're, so the wines, they're, they're accessible, but they're not, they don't pander. I mean, you, you get, when you, when you first taste them, you, you, you understand they're wholesome, they're delicious. Um, but they're, they're not 
they're not taking they're not taking advantage of the customer. They're they're asking the customer to kind of follow them down down the road a little ways. I love that. And so, Ren, right now, are the wines? How can you find the wines? Are they only online? They're only online, and we actually have. I'm told a web. No, we actually have a website. Uh, <laughs> told. <laughs> which is called languageofyeswine.com, and I think that's the way to get the wine. Um, so there's well, going to now be- the rosé is sold out. So what do we, what do we get? Well, stand by for next year on the rosé, but the 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 Syrah and the um, Grenache will be out in October. Okay, middle of October. But I think you definitely want to get yourself signed up well before that if you can. I'm literally signing up like as you talk right now. I know I can hear you typing. Keith. <laughs> Wait, so so how in in sort of the broadest vision of this? How many, you know, wines would you want to make under this label? Or have you thought about how many wines have you sketched you know, out? My in my own mind, it would be a million. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But that's just me. So I, I think Gallo has a little more restraint and, um, <laughs> and and sense and good sense than I do. So I I think it's going to be a, a, a relatively finite number, probably on the order of a half a dozen. And do you know if, if this is always intending to be online only or will there be sort of, you know, uh, restaurant placements, wine shops, no, there'll, et cetera? There'll be, there'll be broad, broader distribution. As soon as we okay. have a little bit of wine to sell, there'll be broader distribution. Okay. So I, I figure this, is, this is the kind of wine I want to see in like almost every American wine bar. <laughs> this yeah, is the, totally. This is the kind of exciting, new, fun stuff that America can produce to make – to let everyone know that like we're not, we're not only – a wine producing nation, but we actually make this too. So Rendell, when you like, when you were thinking about the, the name for the, the wine, why language of yes? Excellent question. Um, I wanted to try to find the link between the old world and the new world. And um, specifically the Southern part of the old world, uh, South of France. And, um, you know, southern France is very different from northern France. There's a whole, there's actually a different language, different dialects, uh, different sensibility. And my colleague uh, Chuck House, the label designer, um, sent me a Provencal dictionary to study. You know, the various terms, and you know, he was just he was very excited about just the whole history of language of of the South. So we were looking for different terms and, you know, wine terms and grape terms and vineyard terms and this and that. And it just occurred to me that actually the, the name for the South or how the, the people think of themselves is le Languedoc, the Languedoc. The Languedoc means is the language of yes. So it's, it's actually the entire meta expression that is, that is interesting and, and evocative. And not coincidentally, I think language of yes sort of tells you everything you want to know about the sensibility of the people that they say yes to things. They, they are very life affirming and certainly life affirmation is kind of what we need sort of more than anything uh, these days. So it seemed very timely as well. I mean, Keith, you have, you have a massive soft spot for the Languedoc. It's one of my favorite places in the world for wine. I feel like you have, I mean, the Landoc and Roussillon for me are some of the most, not underappreciated, that's, a, that's not what it is, but just under, 
under the radar. You know, they have so many co-ops and they've gone through so many ups and downs, not ups and downs, but different things. The history of that area is pretty involved and pretty, you know, roller coastery, like, well, most of Europe, but still. And I just, I've been obsessed with Languedoc for a very long time. I did, I did work with uh, Sud de France for a while. I went to the Languedoc. I was able to travel from Montpellier all the way to the Pyrenees and see all this, those amazing geography and taste those amazing wines. And I just, I guess what's why I'm really excited about this too, is the idea of taking this sort of beautiful, unique place in the world called Southern France. It's actually one of the largest wine regions in the world that no one talks about. And going for that kind of style, that sort of like, is the, the, the long duck can have oak and new world vibes, but it always retains that Mediterranean style. And that's why I'm so excited about this project because Doing that long duck style in the United States, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally kind of salivating. I'm really <laughs> excited to try this stuff. It's just, it's, it's awesome. Tiburan in America, bring it. I have to tell you, the Grenache is really amazing. Sorry, you haven't gotten to try it yet, but it's, it's pretty <laughs> amazing. I like the Syrah a lot as well, but I mean, I really love the Grenache. I think Randall was a little bit upset that I, I didn't, <laughs> that I, I didn't talk about the Syrah as much, even though they're both beautiful, beautiful wines. I love all my children, all my children. <laughs> all, all of them equally good, good. So, uh, Randall, when can we expect, besides the, the two Reds coming out, you know, w- when can we expect other releases? Is it basically, are we, are we waiting on this vintage? How many vintages of these wines have you made so far? The 20s, the fruit was the first vintage. So okay. the uh, Duran Grenache will be out, uh, I think, kind of end of October, probably third, third week in October. Okay. Which is not just around the corner. It's not too far off. Right. And then this will be so, so so 21 will be the second vintage of these wines. Awesome. And in that regard, will you make these three? And then are there plans to add? And what do you plan to add? Well, adding the Senso um, okay. this year with this vintage. And then ultimately, I'd love to add uh, Roussin or some other combination of, I mean, I would love to get my hands on some Mondeuse Blanche. I don't know if any, any I don't know if any exists in um, California, but that like a Roussin Mondeuse Blanche would be sort of my dream dream team. Me too. Would you be wi- I'm raising my hand over here. Me too. <laughs> would you be willing to go outside of California, so maybe to Oregon and Washington, et cetera, or, or do you really want to stick to grapes from California? I think for now we stick to California. I think otherwise it's that's becomes mission creep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can I ask a really geeky question? Yes. Just okay. This is this is one of these questions that that wine people always ask, and it's just because okay. Let's get it out. What would be the average age of the vines that you're playing with? It's just only, and the reason I ask that is because of the average age of vines in the Languedoc. I'm just curious about the difference. These are young vines. They're, I think the Rancho Real. I think they're about 15 years old on that, oh, okay. that order. So they're still they're productive. They're not baby vines, but they're not. Uh, they're not old, old wise oldsters yet either. Right. I mean, the whole, the whole point is in the in the practice in the viticultural practice is try to turn young vines into old vines and give them the characteristics of old vines, which is resilience and uh, resistance right. to stress. So, having a very vibrant soil flora is super important to um, developing that sort of resilience. I should say. That makes a ton of sense. Well, Randall, so how can we find the wines again? Go to the website, languageofyeswine.com. 
I mean, these wines are amazing. I think if, if everyone who listens should should go out and grab these wines, they're absolutely phenomenal. Everything you do, Randall, is just so awesome. We always talk about you in the offices, how you are just one of the winemakers uh, in this country that has just done so much for American wine culture. So yeah. thank you so much for everything. My, my great pleasure. Thank, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's really great to talk to you. It's absolutely an honor. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.